0: It's time to take the quiz. 5 questions, 5 minutes a day, 5 days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at the fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course listen to The Quiz at thequiz.fox. Sunday, July 30th, 2023. I'm Jessica Rosenthal. Multiple reports now allege migrant children have been abused inside the U.S. as record numbers came over the last few years. Finding the proper sponsor for many of these kids has been difficult, but the consequences of failing can be horrific.
1: Unfortunately, this is the one thing the administration refuses to do. Simply return these children safely home. Uh, uh, No effort is made to do that by this administration. Every effort is directed at releasing them into the country as quickly as possible.
2: I'm Ryan Schmelz. A congressional hearing that was out of this world is bringing Congress together. But when it comes to funding the government, Republicans and Democrats are still far apart. There is an increasing
3: likelihood that the government could shut down.
2: This is the Fox News Rundown from Washington.
0: One of the latest congressional border hearings examined the exploitation of migrant children happening here in the U.S., following up on an April hearing, during which Health and Human Services whistleblower Tara Lee Rodas told a House Judiciary Subcommittee. Today,
3: children will work
0: overnight shifts at slaughterhouses, factories, restaurants to pay their debts to smugglers and traffickers. Today, children will be sold for sex. She said the trafficking of children sometimes carries over into the U.S. when a child is placed with the Office of Refugee Resettlement, or ORR, which is within the Department of Health and Human Services. It's the job of case managers in ORR to find the proper sponsor for a child. But Rhoda says too often the sponsor will abuse that migrant child.
4: Now, whether it's intentional or not, it could be argued that the United States government has become the middleman in a large scale multi-billion dollar child trafficking
3: operation.
0: Helping corroborate this have been multiple reports and investigations. A New York Times piece recently detailed the horrific conditions some migrant children work in. A Florida grand jury's report found a lackluster vetting process for sponsors, and that children are under the constant threat of labor and sex trafficking. They heard directly from witnesses who said they were pimped out by a sponsor who claimed to be a family member, but was someone they did not know. This past week, a House Energy and Commerce Subcommittee heard from the man in charge of all this, Health and Human Services Secretary Javier Becerra, who was questioned by Virginia Republican Congressman Morgan Griffith.
2: We make every effort to try to find the, the closest relative for that child. And one of the tools that we use is DNA testing, voluntary DNA testing. But you don't do that in every case where a familiar relationship is claimed. Isn't that true? Well, we make sure we can verify the right. identity of the person. So, for example, we will use birth certificates. We will use other documentation that proves who the individual is. But A birth certificate coming from another country, just like the passports presented in the film last night, may be forged.
0: An audit done within Health and Human Services this past year found more than 340 migrant kids were sent to live with sponsors who were not family members and who were already hosting three or more children.
1: As I understand it, it's only about 9 percent of the uh, children they're releasing into the country have DNA tests to determine whether they have any relationship to the people they're being
0: released to. Tom McClintock is a California Republican congressman and chair of the House Judiciary Subcommittee on Immigration and Security and Enforcement. Uh,
1: uh, they've released about 360,000 unaccompanied minors into the country since since Biden took office. Uh, we've lost contact with 85,000 of them. We don't know what has happened to them. And, and Becerra himself uh, told his staff uh, recently that if, if Henry Ford, uh, he basically compared the, um, uh, the, 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 the release of, of these children to an assembly line. And he says, you've got to become more efficient at it. You've got to do it faster. Staffs told us that they're, 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 uh, uh, if, if they don't release at least 20% of the UACs in their custody every week, they get dinged. Um, Mm. In fact, one whistleblower noticed that that his child was about to be surrendered to a highly questionable character. She set off a warning, and the result was she was immediately fired. So so that's what's going on in in, in, uh, DHS, uh, and and it's shocking.
0: He also said, you know, they hold some kids for a while because they don't feel comfortable sending them to a sponsor. Um, Should that number of kids be higher? I I assume it would. That's that's what he says. If it does grow higher, though, Congressman, if HHS does grow more skeptical about placing children with sponsors, do we then just have a group of floating lost kids in our custody? And and what then?
1: Yeah, I don't think they care. uh, uh, What he says and what he does are two very different things. Um, uh, Give another example. Uh, uh, Office of Refugee Resettlement released 363,000 children. Uh, to sponsors between 2018 and 2022 and yet you know how many home study home reviews they've done 25000 so that's about 6.8 percent of the cases they actually even look at the home they're releasing these children into
0: you uh were the chair of the subcommittee that heard from tara lee Rodas back in april the health and human services whistleblower uh and and what she said was obviously shocking to anybody that heard it uh, about what was happening to migrant children she also though mentioned not just migrant like labor like labor trafficking, but sexual um, oh, yeah. sexual trafficking and, and that uh, that that sponsors uh, one 16 year old girl um, said her sponsor would like pimp her out. I, what, when you heard all this testimony and and you hear and you see you know the Florida grand jury report and and other things, what can be done with with that? I imagine you would say first secure the border, but what about the kids who are here being abused?
1: Well, it's very simple how to stop this. The cartels make an estimated $6 billion a year in human trafficking. Uh, I'm told that's more than they make trafficking drugs these days. The children arrive here deeply in debt to the cartels. Criminal gangs like MS-13 have followed them into our communities to enforce those debts through everything from labor trafficking to sex trafficking. Um, And um, often they're sent here because they're assured of being released in the country. And the Border Patrol officers that I've spoken with all tell me the same thing. If we simply return them safely to their homes, this would stop immediately. The cartels don't give refunds. If you spend $6,000 to send your child north and they're immediately returned, word spreads very quickly that's a complete waste of money, and this human trafficking would stop immediately. But unfortunately, this is the one thing the administration refuses to do, simply return these children safely home. Uh, no effort is made to do that by this administration. Every effort is directed at releasing them into the country as quickly as possible. And as as we heard uh, uh, from the whistleblowers, uh, if they don't do that quickly, uh, they're, they're fired or, or, or disciplined by, this, uh, by, by Becerra and this administration.
0: Are you interested in hearing from Department of Labor and asking them what they're doing in terms of going into, I guess, chemical plants and slaughterhouses and factories and, and finding these children?
1: Well, there have been a number of uh, of, of exposés uh, published in various newspapers uh, uh, documenting uh, the abuse of these children, uh, and yet the one thing we refuse to do is, is to uh, get those children safely home uh, rather than to release them into these circumstances, this the, and, and this has been going on for some time now, as well since the administration took office.
0: It sounded like in the hearing this past week, there was a big focus on DNA testing. A lot of the lawmakers wanted to talk about that, as we referenced earlier in our interview here. Would Would you be interested in spending more money on that, or or if DNA testing needs to expand um, to make in, sure it's in, in my opinion, right person. In
1: my opinion, all of our attention needs to be turned to getting these children safely home uh, rather than traffic them into the United States uh, uh, you know, if, if a if a uh, uh, abandoned child showed up on your doorstep, what would you do You'd, you 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 would you would find out where their home is and get them safely home, you wouldn't take them three doors down the uh, uh, to, 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 a, to a crack house. But that's in effect what, what, what our our government is doing.
0: One thing that stuck out, I think, um, and Terry Lee Rodas noted this and, and others to have, too, over the past several months in immigration-related hearings, is that it seems like once a child leaves CBB custody, Border Patrol's done, right? The kids with HHS and... Now it's the job of HHS, the the Office of Refugee Resettlement, to put that kid with a sponsor. Okay, and then they're done with that child. There's no agency. There's no law enforcement. There's nobody sort of keeping track of these kids. I imagine that would be a huge undertaking. But if you're going to do it, if you're not going to send these children back to their home countries, and you're going to have them here with sponsors, should there be some more oversight of these children?
1: Well, of course there should be. But again, this this is a problem we have created by, by refusing to do the one thing that our common sense demands of us, get the children safely home. Find out where they came from, get them safely home. You don't release them to strangers into this country or, or to strangers claiming to be family members. Uh, and, and if you are going to do that, you'd better be very, very careful about who you're releasing them to. And of course, we, we aren't because they have this huge volume coming in. And, and Becerra has is, is been making it very clear uh, uh, he really doesn't care about where these kids are placed, just get them placed. And the fact that we've, we've lost track of at least 85,000 of them that we've released into this country by, by itself is a, a damning figure. But the, that- the, the whole question is it's not a question of managing the problem. We could end the problem if we simply return the children back to their homes.
0: And that 85,000 number, that's where it was clarified that if they reached out to that to that family that had that child and the, the phone wasn't picked up or nobody answered and nobody got back to them, that's how we came up with that number of 85,000, that simply we just couldn't reach those sponsors or families. Correct. They've just disappeared. Congressman, before I let you go, I don't remember exactly when I heard you say this, but you were talking about a family that was murdered outside your district, including a ten-month-old baby um, that was among the victims, and you said so that, that the that sheriff, a, yeah. the, the sheriff there, had said that it was a cartel hit, and you were asking, you know, you said that I think FBI Director Ray had said that we're seeing more cartel violence in the country because of what's happening at the border. Do, Can you tell us more about what your concern is um, after the murder of that family of six?
1: Well, the cartels follow the migrants into our country. Uh, uh, Each one of those migrants is indebted thousands and thousands of dollars to the cartels, and the cartels enforce those debts very brutally. Uh, In the case of of the incident in uh, Goshen in Tulare County, uh, a family of six uh, ranging from age 72 down to a 10-month-old uh, were all uh, executed uh, uh, by the cartels. Uh, at least that's what the Tulare County Sheriff is telling us. Um, and we're going to see more and more of that. The cartels and, and the, their related gangs follow the migrants into our country. They have now established a major presence in our cities. The FBI director said as much at the uh, a hearing when he appeared before judiciary a couple of weeks ago. Um, and the question that I have is how long is it going to be before we start to see the kind of gun battles that have become common in Mexico erupted in in our own cities, particularly considering the fact that we have uh, uh, cities and states and now the federal government essentially uh, providing sanctuary uh, uh, to to, uh, criminal aliens, meaning that once they are released, um, instead of being deported back to their own country, as the, the law requires, they're simply released into our neighborhoods and communities.
0: And just really briefly, when you say gun battles between and among cartel members on U.S. soil, are you talking about them fighting over territory or deals gone yes. bad or what? what?
1: That, that's exactly it. They're all in competition with each other and they have guns. And we uh, gun battles in Mexico uh, between rival cartels have become commonplace. And my question is, how long before we we're going to see that here? We've invited them into our country. They've come into our country. Uh, and it's just a matter of time, I think, before we see the same uh, pathologies here that we are are now common in Mexico.
0: California Congressman Tom McClintock, thank you so much for joining.
4: My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well,
2: Congress is officially in recess until September, but there will be plenty of work for lawmakers to address when they return. As a sometimes testy appropriations process leads to plenty of disagreement, both parties united around one of the nation's longest tenured public servants after a concerning moment at a weekly press conference caused Republican Minority Leader Mitch McConnell to leave the podium, later returning before the press in an attempt to make light of the situation.
1: Well, the president called to check on me. I told him I got sandbag.
2: On the House side, it is now officially in the congressional record. A whistleblower named David Grush testified that non-human spacecraft are likely on planet Earth. Do you
4: believe that our government is in possession of UAPs?
2: Uh, Absolutely, based on interviewing uh, over 40 witnesses over four years.
4: And, and, And where?
2: I know the exact locations, and and those locations were provided to the Inspector General. The former head of an Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force made a number of groundbreaking comments from saying there are non-human biologics recovered with the UAPs, that the government has UAP documents dating back to the 1930s, and that humans have been injured by them. A bill to fund the military could include legislation to declassify documents related to UAPs, but the question remains if Congress can make a deal.
3: Well, the question right now is how they get the two bills together. Uh, I mean, the Senate bill obviously takes care of a lot of the policy issues on the Republican side uh, that uh, Democrats just did not like. Fox's senior congressional correspondent, Chad Pergram you know, there was all these cultural issues, uh, issues about transgender surgery, uh, abortion that came out of the House bill. You have to remember that the original House bill passed the Armed Services Committee 58 to 1. So why bipartisan support? That bill veered wildly to the right in order to appease House conservatives. And you even have some House conservatives who might like those policies realize that that could jeopardize the passage of the bill. So, that's why they are saying, OK, we're going to moderate this in the Senate. And, uh, and the real decision making is going to be what does it look like when you have a distinct House bill and a distinct Senate bill. And you might remember a few weeks ago, Chip Roy, the Republican congressman from Texas, he said it better look a lot more like the House bill than the Senate bill when it comes back. I don't know that that's necessarily going to be the case. And what can Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, accept on that front? If he takes a bill that, you know, veers a little more to the left, frankly, uh, you know, as we always say, this will be about the math. They could certainly get the bipartisan math on this to work, but it would take a cocktail of Democrats and Republicans. But what does that do potentially undercutting Kevin McCarthy? Uh, You know, Chip Roy said, uh, you know, look at the votes on the debt ceiling bill where you had more Democrats voting for that bill than you did Republicans and that's something that really ticked off uh, the freedom caucus chip roy i mentioned earlier and uh, how many times can kevin mccarthy go to that well
2: and kind of moving on here i think while the ndaa has seen some partisanship particularly in the house one thing we saw with a lot of bipartisanship this week in, in on the house side was this hearing related to uaps you know First of all, was there anything from this hearing that stood out to you? Because I know there were a number of moments, but what stood out to you and why do you think this has become such a
3: bipartisan issue for Congress? Just the fact that they had a hearing talking about this in such frank terms, where there was conversation from otherwise credible people about things. These are former Navy and Air Force aviators who had seen very strange things in the skies. Uh, From a whistleblower, David Grush, who said that there was evidence of something that was of uh, non-human but organic origin. Uh, You know, I I thought one of the more interesting moments was Eric Burleson, who's a Republican congressman from Missouri, who said that uh, some of the detail? He said this before the hearing from David Grush was so specific and so concrete. He said that I think the public deserves to hear this. And and you know Burleson, he's from Missouri. He says you know this is the show me state. I'm a bit of a skeptic. Uh, so you know he came into this with a little bit of a skeptical eye. He did ask if there were you know people coming from other you know planets or someplace else. If they were so advanced and it crashed here. If they're so advanced, how could they manage not to get away? You know, I mean, I think that's a fair question. Uh, So, you know, again, what this does is it opens up uh, a lot more doors on this. Tim Burchett, the Republican congressman from Tennessee, who kind of um, led the charge on this hearing. He didn't actually chair the hearing, but he uh, said we should have a select committee on this now, a select committee. That's usually something that's determined uh, on the whims of the Speaker of the House. Uh, You look at uh, Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House. She always had a select committee on the climate crisis. That tells you a lot about her politics on that particular policy issue. Uh, You have John Boehner, the former Speaker. Uh, He had a Benghazi select committee. A select committee would have the ability to subpoena witnesses, have depositions, and most importantly, probably, when you're dealing with something of this importance, that they would have access to what they call here on Capitol Hill a skiff a secure compartmentalized facility where they could take some of these depositions, review materials, photographs, maybe video of stuff that is classified, and then be able to dig in. And that was something that vexed uh, Tim Burchett and some of the other members, is that they just don't have the proper security protocols and clearances. Some of those members who are most interested in this, uh, the House Intelligence Committee held a hearing last year, and obviously they do have the right clearances and facilities to review some of those materials. But it's far from clear if this is something that Kevin McCarthy... McCarthy uh, would want to uh, to commit to a, a select committee. In fact, he is a bit of a skeptic. He said a couple of weeks ago that if there were UFOs, he thought that the Defense Department would ask for more money. Now, now, what I gathered, and just based off of some
2: of the testimony that was given by Grush as well as some of these other witnesses that were there, you know it seems like there are a lot of places for members of this committee and other members of Congress to go after this, just based off of some of the hints he was giving in terms of future witnesses and future whistleblowers down the road
3: yeah, there's a lot more uh ground to plow on this, frankly. I mean, you could talk about, you know, what the military is seeing. Uh, Tim Burchett talked about trying to get provisions in the FAA bill, which they just passed in the House, uh, to give uh, commercial pilots and civilian pilots uh, the ability to report and document what they see. Uh, That's something that was put into the defense policy bill last year. Uh, You know, so yes, there's a lot more to do on that. And Tim Burchett has also talked about the possibility of holding public field hearings. Uh, He and some other, they went to uh, an Air Force base in Florida in the Panhandle, and they said that they were. This is their side of the story. Supposed to look at some of this doc, uh, some of these classified documents and photographs, and talk to some of the pilots. Were denied access. Uh, Anna Paulina Luna, a Republican from Florida, said that they even got into a, an argument with the base commander over this. So maybe they have hit field hearings and and you know go to some of these bases. And Jared Moskowitz, a Democrat from Florida, who's been interested in this subject, uh, said you know we'd want to go to. To, uh, uh, you know, Bro- Groom Lake in Nevada so-called Area 51, uh, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, just outside of Dayton. We're, you know, dating back to the 50s, there have been rumors, and I know this because I grew up in southwest Ohio, rumors that they had the, quote, little green men at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Dayton. I don't know, but those are two military installations that have always been associated with, uh, you know, what the government may have and what they don't have. And the bigger macro picture here is that maybe the government, if if it's just not UFOs, what else are they coming covering up. And I think that some of the members, uh, regardless of whether they're disposed to believe in UFOs or not, they're more concerned about that issue of transparency. And I believe burchett described that general as one of the most arrogant generals
2: he's ever dealt with. Um, but it looks like they're getting a little bit of a hand from Leader Schumer, as the Senate's been working on this strongly bipartisan piece of legislation that would declassify a lot of information related to UFOs, and it looks like it's just a matter of when, not if, this this becomes law, and ultimately we have a system for declassifying a significant amount of documents related to this.
3: Well, you know, they would set up a separate, uh, a separate office uh, to declassify some of these materials. Uh, there'd probably be a fight over what is being declassified and whether or not it's appropriate. And then again, as we said in our conversation a couple of minutes ago, if they put that into the defense bill, uh, is that something that stays in when it goes back to the House and when they try to merge these bills together? And is that enough for somebody like Tim Burchett to vote for the bill uh, you know, on that alone because it addresses one of his policy priorities?
2: And kind of moving on here, I think we should probably address what happened to Leader McConnell this week where, you know, I was at this press conference, he comes to the podium, he begins talking about the National Defense Authorization Act and wanting it to be bipartisan, and then he pauses for about 20 seconds before he's helped away from the podium by his fellow senators. What did you make of that, Chad, and, and where, what, what what does this mean ultimately?
3: It it ultimately means that there's questions about the health of uh, the Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. Uh, He has had some health issues before. You know he suffered from polio when he was just a young a young child. Uh, He had this fall at a Washington hotel over the winter, and he hit his head. He had a concussion. He was out about six seven weeks. Uh, And and when you talk to uh, fellow senators and people here on Capitol Hill, they don't believe that Mitch McConnell is quite the same. And that that's a frank assessment here. I've been told that. Mitch McConnell uh, has kind of informally uh, deferred to the uh, minority whip John Thune of South Dakota that there's some things that are being handled by him. Other senators have observed this, that previously everything was handled by McConnell. The other side of this is that you have Mitch McConnell, and I'm told at the meeting uh, that they had, the luncheon meeting, the usual midweek luncheon meeting that they always have just before he fell ill, uh, was... At the top of his game, he was rattling off facts and figures with no problem whatsoever. This was not an issue for Mitch McConnell. And then he just had this this attack. Um, Mitch McConnell, he is 81 years old time is undefeated. I think that you, you know, you might see an effort now, a more serious effort by some Republicans to scrutinize whether or not he is the right person uh, to continue to lead uh, the Republican conference. Uh, don't forget that he had a leadership challenge uh, late last year from Rick Scott, didn't come close uh, to uh, knocking off Mitch McConnell there. But, you know, that's the way these, these things start. And, and, you know, we're having a lot of conversations about age with, you know, members of Congress right now, certainly Diane Feinstein, We certainly have had this conversation about, uh, you know, President Biden to a lesser degree with former President Trump, and even somebody younger, uh, but but he suffered a stroke, John Fetterman, uh, you know, the Democratic senator from Pennsylvania. So health is always one of these issues. And the interesting thing, Ryan, is that members, especially in the Senate, when there's a question of health, they close ranks because there's only 100 of them. There they all go, but for the grace of God. And they are always very reluctant to try to you know, kick somebody out the door, or you know, be perceived that maybe you know there's footsteps coming up behind somebody, or say that that person should go, or should retire, or resign, because they don't want to be put in that position. And people say, well, what can we do about this? Could we? you know, get rid of them. The only way to get rid of somebody in the Senate is expulsion. That takes a two-thirds vote, so that's not going to happen. And as long as somebody, even someone like Senator Fetterman, who had these health problems, mental health issues, uh, very early in his Senate career, just a few weeks, he's there for six years. And if he wants to stay, whether he wants to show up or not, or has other health issues or anybody else, you know, you're stuck with Senator Fetterman regardless, or anybody else, regardless of what their health concerns might be. And I think one thing
2: that's not really getting talked about too much here is that McConnell did come back to this press conference and he took all the questions from the press. And, and one of the Even more than he, he
3: usually does, yeah. Exactly, exactly. exactly. Yes.
2: And one of the questions he was asked was about this idea of, of impeachment inquiries being floated by House Republicans. McConnell did not seem to thrilled about that idea politically and also what it can mean for for how congress operates but you know it does seem like there are a number of house republicans including speaker mccarthy who are floating this idea of an impeachment inquiry into president biden obviously alejandro mayorkas has been facing these threats of, of impeachment for some time now
3: impeachment might ignite the gop base Uh, But it might not work in some of these swing districts in the House. Uh, We don't know that they would even have the votes to impeach someone, let alone launch a formal impeachment inquiry. You have to vote on that in the House. A lot of people think uh, if they do go down that impeachment road, for sure the Republicans lose control of the House. And we say this, you know, we're about 18 months out from from the 2024 election, so who knows. But, you know, it does put this onus on the Senate as well. Would they have a trial? Uh, would uh, the majority leader, Chuck Schumer, just put this aside? I mean, I mean, parliamentarily, you have to flush this somehow. You have to deal with it, whether or not you just say, OK, we're not going to consider this, which is the Senate's right and just dismiss this. Or do they kind of go through some very uh, basic uh, machinations about this? And I don't know. Would they have a trial? You know, there are weird scenarios out there, Ryan. Would they say, yes, let's have a trial and actually... You know, show the Republicans that there's no there there. I don't know. Call their bluff. I I mean, you know, anything is possible in these circumstances.
2: And and all this is going on while we are waiting on Congress to figure out a way to fund the government before a September 30th deadline. Uh, I guess we can touch on appropriations where we kind of stand right now and what we can kind of expect when Congress comes back for that September marathon.
3: Yeah, that's what they have to do. And it's not going to be a marathon. It's going to be a sprint. Uh, The fact that they only have a couple of weeks to fund the government, there is an increasing likelihood that uh, the government could shut down. Uh, Bob Good, the conservative representative from Virginia, said it's not a bad thing if they actually have a government shutdown. He said it doesn't really affect uh, people that much. Uh, So maybe you have some of these conservatives who are willing to go down that road. Chad Pergram, thank you so much, as always. Thank you
2: that'll do it for this weekend's fox news rundown from washington coming up this week one of hunter biden's business partners is set to meet with congress and who's in and who's still yet to qualify as the gop presidential candidates push to make the first debate hosted by fox news for now i'm ryan schmelz from washington
4: Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com.